What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world, both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to a boxing champ, and sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. Shimmerdangus, I'm your other host, Farbad S. Nashari. This podcast is being brought to you by Indeed, BetOnline, and Blue Wire. Farbad, on Wednesday. Hold on, Los did Angeles, you like Shimmy Dangus or should I not do Shimmy Dangus again? I don't even know what that is. I'm just going to make up random words for my intros for the next couple weeks, but go on. Gobbledygooker. That's what you can do too, you know. Uh, remember the gobbledygooker? Get okay. I'm you're not talking to a jabroni. Let's all right. Okay. Get, all right. Uh, on Wednesday, he thought that was for him. By the way, he thought he was going to be the gobbledygooker. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've I've heard that whole thing. It's it's wild. Um, on Wednesday, the Los Angeles Clippers, quote unquote, formally introduced Tyron Lue as their new head coach. They had an introductory news conference, um, which was done via Zoom. It was Zoom, right? Yeah, I do want to say one thing. If you're listening to this, DM, uh, message me on Twitter. Not message me, reply to me on Twitter. Do you prefer his name being Ty Lu or Tyron Lu? Because, like, it's I can't tell on search which is the more popular one. So I call him both. When I do like formal readings, I will say his full name. When I am talking informally, I'll just say Ty. No, but I mean, for the sake of just SEO and everything, like, anyway, you guys just Both? tell me what you guys want to hear Ty or Tyron, whatever. Or if you know, if you want me to say T Dog or something else. I think it would be both, right? Like, you wouldn't it, like, if, for SEO purposes, wouldn't you just put both in there? In one title? Yeah, like you can get creative. You can say like, you you can get creative. Just say Lou. Lou should be your go-to. I'm not as adventurous as you. I think we've established that over the better part of the last several months. Anyways, my bad. You're good. Um, they introduced Ty Lou in an introductory news conference done via Zoom, which... 
do you like Zoom? Let's talk about that. Do you like Zoom? I mean, it's fine. I don't like. I, I don't really mind it one way or another. Do you prefer Zoom or Discord? Zoom. Okay. Yeah, Zoom's not bad. I I'm in a Discord server with several people. Discord's nice, but I think Zoom works better. I kind of just associate Discord with gaming too. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's true. So Ty Lu got introduced on Wednesday. Um, it was a kind of weird thing where, as Andrew Greif of LA Times wrote in his article uh, on Wednesday, Lawrence Frank, who is the president of basketball operations for the Clippers, was in his office one floor above Ty Lu, and Steve Ballmer was at his home in Washington. So the three people on the call, not only were they, it was like weird, right? Like one guy wasn't even in the same state, but the other guys were like a floor above and below each other. That's kind of weird. Yeah, it was, I mean, I personally, I like that they had all three people because while it was Ty's press conference, my question that I had in it was for Steve Ballmer because I was more, I just wanted to hear from him. What'd you ask him? Uh, I asked because there were so, there were like, People keep trying to make it a big deal, like especially Laker fans, where they're like, "Oh, the Clippers waited until so and so to fire Doc Rivers, like because of the Lakers." Blah 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 blah. And I asked Steve Ballmer, like, "How soon after what happened did you realize, like, we need to get a new coach?" Or, and he said he didn't want to, he didn't want to make a decision out of emotion and wanted to wait until things cooled down. And then he had several conversations with Doc Rivers. Um, the exact quote he said was, um, let me look, I transcribed it. He said, Doc and I needed to have some chats. He's an incredible person, an incredible coach. After a few chats, we felt like it was the right decision to move in a new direction together. So I just thought I wanted to get that out in the open. That like, I think it was on his mind as soon as it happened, but he just didn't want to talk about it until things kind of leveled down. Yeah, I mean, Steve Ballmer has has had, however you want to phrase it, a deep respect for Doc Rivers and everything that he's done. So I understand why, why he phrased it the way he did and why he waited as long as he did to have the conversation with him to let everything because you don't want to make a rash decision emotionally. So you want to take your time and get it right. And it sounds like they did so far. Yeah. And then I, mean, I, I just liked having all three of them on the phone. It just, it was full transparency, but I'm not going to lie. I was kind of hoping this would be their moment. Uh, I mean, Lawrence Frank and Balmer, you know, they started it off well saying, you know, we lost the series. We were supposed to win, you know, that they were disappointed but I kind of just wanted to hear them apologize to fans. Just like, I just wanted to hear them say, you know, we're sorry about what happened and we'll make sure, you know, you guys don't have to go through something, something, something. It, it just, for, for the team to lose, I mean, ultimately they don't have that much control over what happens with the players, you know, but for the team to lose in the exact same PTSD fashion as they did in 2015, it just would have been nice to give a little bit of a rah-rah to fans who are just so beyond jaded at this point. You know what their apology was? It was firing Doc Rivers. Nah, That's I, the apology. No, nah, I still like... Nothing, I still nothing, listen, listen, listen. 
them apologizing in actual words would have done nothing. Nothing. No, I disagree. I, I, I disagree because there's some angry there are some angry fans on these forums and everything and those people, people are burning jerseys and like it would those people are always going to be angry on all these guys and it's just like you're emailing people about oh do you want to get tickets for next year? You have all these ads running. It's just like it would be nice to have something to clear the air so it doesn't feel so weird when you push all these like social media advertisements and every little like nickel and dime that we can try to get for next season. Like let's at least, you know, have that honest and open, like, you know, we got confident and we thought we had it, but we didn't. And we apologize. And you know what I mean? It just would have been nice. I get what you're saying, but on the flip side, the fans who are mad and pissed off, they're always going to be that way. I'm not saying it's a right or wrong way. People are just who they are. So apologizing isn't going to do anything. If anything, it would probably make those people even angrier. So a front office, an owner apologizing for a team blowing a 3-1 lead, that's like unheard of. And it's not going to change how certain fans look at the franchise. It's just not. Well, it's also, it's not not just that. It's like, let's not get so grandiose on the marketing campaign. It was like, it was like it's marketing though you have to get grandiose that but it's different like you don't have to take shots in the whole campaign like it was what ended up happening was like the organization and you know the players like pat and marcus or whatever but the organization talked a lot of smack when a lot of clipper fans are too scared to talk smack because they're so used to losing we're we're getting sidetracked yeah but the more uh, I just want to say, go for it. No, see, I was just going to say, the thing is, too, is marketing's marketing, but marketing doesn't affect how you play on the court. And no, marketing, it doesn't affect how you play at all. That's not the that's not the point I want to make. No, I know. But what, but what I'm saying is, them trying to etch their own corner of the boulevard out for themselves in Los Angeles is fine. And it's not something to apologize for if you fail along the way, because you shouldn't care what other fan bases think, what your own, some of your own fans think, even to some degree, you keep plugging along, doing what you think is right. And it didn't work out this year, but that doesn't mean that you stop all this, stop all these other things. Did they get too crazy and like all this other stuff? Sure. But every team does this sort of thing every year to some degree. So I don't look at it as anything other than, hey, they did a marketing campaign and and at the end of the day, it looks stupid because they, you know, they didn't even deliver it on a conference finals. But also at the end of the day, their apology, so to speak, is they fired the head coach who helped make that reality possible because of the blown 3-1 lead. So they get this new guy in Ty Lue, who I say new guy, he was with the team this past season. And I just want to speak about Ty. I I know we got sidetracked. I I just want to speak about Ty. I was blown away by how often he said the right thing. Now that might seem like a thing that, what? Can I finish my thought? We'll go back to Ty and then we won't go back to this original thought. Okay, go ahead. It's not the, it's not the grandiose thing. It's, and it's, it's like it was the only team 
Betts' entire campaign was centered around taking shots at another team. It was streetlights over spotlights, like we driven over given. Like every little thing was a, clearly a dig at the Lakers. Yeah, the, the Brooklyn Nets do that to the Knicks. Like but it's not, it's not, not to the point team. where it like made waves, right? And that's fine, but it's like you realize if you lose, your fans are going to get dumped on by everyone. Uh, they're and always like, going to get dumped on. It no, doesn't matter. Worse. No, I'm telling you. It became a thing where everybody, the Clippers became the villain and everyone kept coming at their fans and saying like, you guys shouldn't have talked trash. And it's like, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you for a second. I don't mean to interrupt you. The Clippers are always going to get dumped on because they're always going to be the villain because in their own city, they're second fiddle and that'll never change. I'm being honest. It is the Lakers city and that's hundred percent fine. The Clippers are trying to carve out their own slice of the pie. However, because of that, they're always going to be the villain and they're always going to get ganged up on. I'm talking about the fans here. They're always going to get ganged up on no matter how the team performs. It doesn't matter. The only way to stop that is to win a title. So it didn't matter if the team had the smallest marketing campaign of all time or the largest one or the most the one with the most shots at the Lakers or the least amount of shots. It's always going to happen because that is the reality of Los Angeles and the Lakers fandom and the greater Los Angeles area. It's not going to change. It but doesn't it, matter. But it ascended Laker fandom. It is like everyone hated them this year. It wasn't, it Buddy, wasn't just Laker fans. They hated the Lakers in Lob City too because teams who come out of nowhere to be like these, these no, down pretty hateful, man. Well, the downtrodden franchises who come up and actually are not, you know, and are try to win and actually have the audacity to try to win are always like they start off as plucky underdogs, like last year's Clippers, for instance. And then when they went for it, it's like, oh, I don't know now. Kind of like, you know what I mean? Like it's the it's the common theme of every NBA season. Think about the Milwaukee Bucks last season. They were a fun upstart to some degree. And this season, all that ever happened was people criticized them. Nah, it, it's the nature the of the business. When and the only reason the Bucks didn't get criticized more is because they weren't in a bigger city like the Clippers were. Milwaukee so, loses on Twitter. I mean, Milwaukee loses. Twitter is just kind of like, okay, the Clippers lost this year. I know. Like watching, and this is going to sound messed up. It was like watching the reaction when Trump got COVID and everyone was like, everybody was aghast. Everybody had something to say about it. Everybody was, had something to say about the Bucks losing not too. Not the same way, man. They went in on like, Giannis to a ruthless degree. It was next level for the Clippers because everybody had pictures of the billboards ready. Everybody had pictures of the sure. talking trash, right? Like, I think you just give the fans a little bit of a position where like, like they just don't want to talk that much trash, right? Laker fans love talking trash, right? Hey, Celtics fans love talking hey, trash. The the main responsibility of a franchise is to win. And even if you don't win, you shouldn't give a crap the amount of crap your fans take because of your marketing campaign. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You should if fans can it, no, especially, it shouldn't. Especially when it's like, why would you pick, like, why would you be a Clipper fan when the Lakers exist and they have 20 of the greatest players of all time? Like, you got to take that into account of like, these guys are 
So, so let me ask you, should the Clippers have just gone with like the most minimalist marketing campaign? And no, like- not minimalist, just not one centered around talking smack on another team. Okay, but they were always going to be perceived that way no matter what their campaign was. Mm-mm. Yeah, what was it, like two years ago, it was what, LAR way or something? Uh, People took that, that offensive too. Year. What was it, oh, 2018, 19, right? Uh, or something? They might have not changed it. I think they did it two years in a row. Okay, well, either way, people took that negatively too. Like, they're always going to take it negatively. And for that reason alone, I shouldn't give a crap what outsiders have to say or if there's a section of Clipper fans that feel like they're getting bombarded. Yeah, it sucks. I'm not going to lie. It sucks to see. Like, there are people who take it to an extraordinary degree of just trolling, and that's not cool no matter what fan base you come from. But at the same time, this is the nature of the business now. Fans are always going to get crapped on unless your team wins. And it doesn't matter the team that wins. And even if your team does win, they're still going to get crapped on. That's just how it is now. I'm telling you, it seems super next level for this. Like super next level. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people, fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We got way too sidetracked, and I think we do need to talk about Ty Lue. Yeah, he did say all the right things. Yeah, we got way too side. This is going to be a wild podcast just because of that. Um, so Andrew Griffin, his column mentions that 
Ty Lue learned from not just Doc Rivers, but several other coaches. He mentioned Eric Spolstra in Miami, Brad Stevens in Boston, Nick Nurse with Toronto, and how Nick Nurse was thinking, quote, thinking outside the box of playing box in one and triangle in two defenses and bringing something new to the NBA. Then he dropped my favorite quote. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Quote, and if you stop learning, if you stop being willing to learn from other people, then you won't be successful. That is a dynamite quote, and I hope it's just not coach speak and just telling people what they want to hear, because I'm telling you right now, Ty Lue has had a better attitude in the last 24 hours than Doc Rivers had about coaching in the last year, as I saw with the Clippers. And I may be wrong on that, but that's just my read of the situation. Uh, I think... I mean, it just felt like he did say all the right things, whether it's like we want to put guys in the best position possible. We want to develop people like it seemed like every little checkbox he had. Um, the only thing he could have done to make it more like to make fans be like, oh, hell yeah. Is if, if he was just like, we're going to play Zubats more. Like if he just blatantly said that, I think everybody would have just lost their mind. <laughs> I mean, yeah, people would have went like, oh, wow, you know, just but he, I mean, he essentially said it in a way of saying we're going to develop guys more. But um, and it just seemed like the whole season, I heard Doc Rivers say the same things over and over and over and over again. Sometimes they were right. Sometimes they were wrong, but it just felt like the same thing at some point. And it really came to a head in the playoffs. I think Ty's just Ty's Ty's in a weird situation because a he's grateful to be there, right? Because uh, someone's finally giving him a shot again after Cleveland. B, it's going to be the hottest seat in the NBA, in my opinion. It's going to probably going to be the most scrutinized spot in the NBA, and I think the Clippers are going to have the most pressure-filled season in their history next season. So it's like while it's five-year deal, like. Who knows what happens at the end of the season? So it's, I think he just has to be on another level of being aware of everything. Ty Lue was also asked about the load management of, uh, I should not say that phrase. It's not load management. So asked that, I believe. It's injury management. Excuse me. That's my fault. Uh, it's, it's called injury management. It is not load management. I'm sorry for saying it. I need to say it again. Injury management. Kawhi Leonard has an injury that they are managing. This isn't a thing where he just voluntarily sits out of one game of every back-to-back. It's a real thing. He has an injury. So when asked about the injury management, Ty Lu said, quote, it's something that I have to talk to with the medical staff and performance team. I can't answer that question right now, but the most important thing is the health of our players and whatever is best for our team, best for our players. That's how we'll handle it. I can't really comment on it because I don't know. That was him when asked about if Kawhi Leonard will continue to sit out one game of each back-to-back next season. The other thing I do want to touch on is because we don't know when the next season is going to actually begin. It's also very hard to answer that question because maybe Kawhi Leonard comes into the next season going, hey, man, I'm good to go every game. We don't know yet. So I fully believe him when he says he doesn't know. And he's right. He does have to check with the medical team and everything like that because it's up to them and Kawhi Leonard's body above all. Um, the other thing I liked is it sounds like they're going to be more fluid with lineup configurations and have a more modern offense, 
which I could not be more thrilled about. And also, he mentions the defense. Did you hear his defense? Well, you had to hear. You were in the damn thing. I was in the damn thing. He said, quote, I think setting the tone defensively, being the best two-way players in the league, I think it starts on the defensive end with those two guys, talking about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, setting the tone every night defensively. That was the quote. You know what, and though? It, I don't think they played that bad a defense. I think I said it to you before, but I don't think they played that bad a defense in the playoffs. They just had really bad offense that kept leading to bad defense. Like, they kept getting stops. They just made, didn't make shots. They had a six-game stretch uh, from game five of Dallas through game four of Denver, where their defense was really good, like really, really good against two high-powered offenses. And then it kind of failed them in the second half of, of games five, six, and seven, but also their offense did too. So I don't know how much you equate blame for each side there. However, what I will say is, I do think those two have to be better defensively. I think they coasted quite a bit during the regular season and a little bit in the bubble. And then really when they had to turn it on, they were like, oh man, like we can, we have to turn it on. And they kind of did like Paul George was exceptional defensively in the Denver series. Kawhi Leonard was good defensively in the Dallas series and good against Denver for the most part. But like, it was more like in spurts, like you notice them defensively in spurts and it, yeah, it can't be Denver. Yeah, like it, it can't be spurts. You have to you have to just do it. And you have to do it for 48 minutes. So Ty Lue also mentioned having an offensive and defensive coordinator. You and I talked last time that we think it might be Chauncey Billups as the defensive coordinator, which is fine. But I'm curious to see what schemes they come up with and stuff like that. Because setting he's right, setting the tone defensively, that's how you get into your offense better. Because you can you can get easier transition buckets, you can get easier mismatches on offense, uh, running down the floor in secondary transition. You can pick on those mismatches all over the floor in half court sets. It's it's everything like setting the tone defensively, getting stops, getting easy stops. That's where the Clippers need to really buckle down. And yeah, like maybe if guys were a little bit healthier, maybe if Patrick Beverly didn't have the calf issue, maybe if you know Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were more locked in, maybe their defense is more in tune with everything that's going on in the postseason, and they win a title. I don't know. But at the end of the day, they weren't, and it killed them. And their offense let them down. So when Ty talks about setting the tone defensively and then talking talks about having a more modern offense, I cannot help but get excited because I've seen stuff in the Ty Lue game footage of his Cleveland days offensively that I think would work very well with the Clippers. And I understand people are going to comment with, well, that's because he had LeBron James, who's a top five passer of all time in the history of the NBA. I get it. But a lot of the stuff Ty Lue ran, the Clippers can run too without an elite of the elite of the elite passer. It's it's able to be done. I've seen the footage. Does that mean that they're going to be this crazy offensive system where they're, they're just going to have the greatest half-court offense of all time? No. But I do think that their offense is going to look marketedly better next season, whenever that is, compared to this past season, because I think it's going to be less iso ball and a lot more a lot more off ball movement and just more ball movement. The ball has to move more. So I think that's a good thing. And I believe him. Maybe it's too early to believe everything he says, but I believe what he's saying is the right things or are the right things. 
So for now, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and trust him until there's a level, uh, a, a point in time where that trust kind of erodes, like it did for me with Doc Rivers along the way. What do you think is the bigger priority? The offense being smarter and not being so ISO jump shot heavy? Like, because that was that one, there, there's one portion that sticks out to me like a sore thumb. And it was game six when they were up 19 points. Uh, PG shot like three or four mid-ranges in a row and every single one missed. And then it led to Denver getting a foul and then shooting free throws. And then all of a sudden it was a 12-point game. Um, Do you think that needs to be fixed first or some of the defense? Both. I think they go hand in hand. You got to pick one. I I think that I think that I think they go in conjunction together because better shot selection leads to better defense because your defense has a chance to get set when you're taking better shots and and, and ha- making the opponent take the ball out of the hoop as opposed to getting runouts. But defensively, I think when you get the stops in the half court and are able to get out in transition or get better secondary breaks or mismatches in the half court, that also makes your offense look better. So it's a circular thing where one begets the other, and I'm not sure which one I would assign the most importance to. In my mind, I would say offense. But big picture-wise, it's both together working in harmony yeah i'm gonna i think i might have to say offense there were just there were just i could i could point more games of them losing because of their offense than because of their defense it feels like i think i think it's 50 50 for, for them with that what you just mentioned because there were games in the bubble where i looked at their defense and i'm like their defense is a is also why they're in this game. And then there was times when I looked at their offense, like their offense is why they're in this game. They need to have a balance and they were missing that. And they talked about it. Ty Lue talked about it uh, in the, uh, in the news conference where he said, you know, that it wasn't about the off court chemistry and guys not liking each other. They were talking about on court chemistry And I think that part played a factor across the board on both ends of the floor. The chemistry and the cohesion offensively didn't help. And it bled into the lack of chemistry and cohesion defensively for everywhere outside of the starting unit. The starting unit looked fine, if not rather good. And even great at times. They just couldn't. For some reason, they kept not finishing the game with the starting unit. <laughs> because of, I honestly believe they didn't finish games with that starting unit because of Patrick Beverly's calf injury. I think if he was healthy, he would have been playing 35 a night. I really believe that. Well, it was also the zoo situation. I mean, we could, we could just keep going on that one if you really want me to. Nah. I have a stat for you. Nah. You have a you stat? Want the stat? You want the stat? Sure. In the Denver series, Zubats was at center for 172 minutes. The Clippers were plus 32 points. So they outscored Denver by 32 points in those 172 minutes with Zubats at center. Jermichael Green played 28 minutes at center. The Clippers were plus two. 
Marcus Morris only played two minutes at center. The Clippers were zero. Like they didn't lose points. They didn't gain points, which is weird because in the Dallas series, he played 26 minutes at center and they were plus 21. So after it worked so well in the first round, they did not go to it in the second round. However, Montrezl Harrell, 134 minutes, Clippers minus 37. So those 134 minutes wiped out the other preceding 202 minutes. In some universes, that's good though, right? Not in this one. <laughs> Unless I mean, and look, it's not his fault. I just, I, I would, going back to that series, I would have liked more Green at center, obviously, but I would have liked more Morris at center. I honestly, I thought Green at center was pretty solid. But like, it just felt like a lot of times from the eye test, at least, where it was just like, hey, he's doing a solid job. He just kept getting in foul trouble sometimes, but he was doing a solid job. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to ride with the guy like, you know, like you trusted him. They trusted him the postseason before against the Warriors and you're not going to trust him now. It's like the weirdest thing. I don't want to I don't want to rehash it. I'm getting crazy again. Um, Anyway, that press conference, that press conference was good. I, I Let me ask you this. How comfortable after hearing him talk, how comfortable are you with Ty Lue as the hire? Um. I'm pretty comfortable, but like that doesn't mean anything. I feel like I've been comfortable before. How comfortable are you? I'm very comfortable. Because I just very I've comfortable. Heard, I've heard Doc Rivers say the right thing a lot of times, and also say the wrong thing a lot of times. But it just feels like I I I need to see results on the court before anything. Like I need to see the ball moving in a way that I haven't seen before. And granted the Clippers had good ball movement when it led to the wide open three, but it felt like that was the, the it felt like the only ball movement the Clippers had uh, uh, largely at times was wide open corner three or Zubat's dunk. Like that was it. And if the threes weren't falling, they they like that game was pretty rough. I mean, you're not wrong. You're really not wrong. Their ball movement was a problem. And I understand people saying, well, they didn't have a like a traditional playmaker. And I get that. I also don't think that was why it was a problem. I think it was more like Kawhi and PG, Kawhi a little bit more than PG, trusted themselves so much that they were allowed to stop the ball. And that's fine when you have guys of that caliber, but it has to move more. And Lou was guilty of it. Trez was guilty of it. You know, like everyone to some degree, Marcus Morris a couple times was guilty of it. Like everyone was guilty of it to some degree. It happens. It's almost like the quicksand thing, right? Where like something's going wrong and you feel that you have to get out of it right away. And the harder you try, the more strenuous you make it, the, the deeper and further you sink. Yeah, it's um, one thing I, I I did enjoy hearing too was Steve Ballmer saying I don't think we played our best basketball most of the time in the bubble. I think that's something that could lift some statements up for fans where they may have thought like because I think some fans, myself included, would be like we were talking all year about how this team was fully healthy and they finally got fully healthy and you know, crap the bed, but just to hear the owner admit it, you know, we weren't playing our best and we didn't rise up to the occasion. 
I think that kind of gives fans a, a little glimpse of like, okay, so we still haven't hit our ceiling yet. We're still, we're still growing. I had a tweet. Uh, I think I referenced this last time we talked. I had a tweet early in the season, uh, not in in the bubble, but I had it before they came out of the bubble. But I also had a way back like November, December of the season that I really did believe this coming season was going to be better for the team than the present season was at the time. Does that mean that's actually going to be the case? I don't know. That's what I believed at the time, and I still believe it. We are going to see how much that bears out to being true or not. I am more comfortable with Ty Lu at the helm than I was with Doc Rivers because, and maybe maybe this is me falling into the, into this fallacy of the devil that you know versus the devil you don't. But I knew what we had with Doc Rivers, and I knew what drove me crazy. And may, there's going to be some stuff that Ty Lue does that drives me crazy. I know it for a fact. But I'm willing to test that out because I know what we had wasn't working. And I say we, I use it as a general term. I shouldn't do that. But what the Clippers had wasn't working. I couldn't and help they, but think like of like a relationship or something. Like I'm willing to test it out because what we have isn't working. Well, I mean, sports sports fandom is a relationship. All right. When you break not, it down, it is. We're not we're not gonna go that route. Do you want to get sad? I can get sad. <laughs> You're already sad. I'm always sad. Every day is sad. That's that's my secret, Captain. I'm always sad. Exactly. Um, the news conference was good. Uh, the Clippers had a stream of it up on Twitter, I believe, right on their website or something. Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and I think Facebook. It might even is it? Oh, if they if they live streamed on YouTube, it'll be up on YouTube still, right? It's supposed to be, yes. So if you want to go there, oh yeah, it's up there. It's thirty three minutes and twenty three seconds long. Uh, that was the introductory press conference. There was a thirty three minute forty five second uh, Q and A, which coached Tyron Lou. The live stream of him being officially introduced was 31 minutes and eight seconds. So you, you can go through it. Like there's a little journey video that they do. It's not his NBA journey. Ty Lue's done it all, man. He's been an NBA champion. You can hear my uh, voice in that too. Just, you know, if you guys. No one, no one wants to hear it. Like, damn, like we loved it so much in this podcast. We want to listen to another 11 seconds. I got to have 11 more seconds. You can listen to that, you know, YouTube press conference. No big deal. You know, I have to apologize to him. I keep saying Tyron Lou. That's not his name. It's Tyron. I have to do better. I'm sorry. Um, Tyron Lou. I'm just going to call him Ty. Ty Lou. Uh, three years in Cleveland. Two and a half years in Cleveland as the head coach. A title. Three uh, NBA Finals berths. What, like I said, won a title with the Cavs, came back from down 3-1 in the finals, won a title as a player with the Lakers in 2001. He's been around Shaq, been around Kobe, been around Jordan. If you take uh, the 2001 and then you get rid of the 200 and then you have the one and then you add a number one, that's 11. 11 seconds is how much longer you can hear my voice in that YouTube video. So just throwing that out there. You cannot see the face that I'm making right now. But I want to choke you out. Just like I want to choke out every Twitter account that goes out of their way to be like, if you take eight minus two, that's a two and a four. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Anyways, Ty Lue's played with Shaq, Kobe, Jordan. He played with McGrady and Yao. 
He was in Atlanta. He was in Dallas. He played with Dirk. He was in Milwaukee. He was in Orlando. This is a guy who was around the block as a player. He was a successful NBA head coach, modern offense, seemingly gets players to buy in. Everyone likes him. I don't know what's not to love about him as the head coach of the Clippers, especially because he was here this past season. And I understand this might be a gripe of people that people have for the Ty Lue hire of why should I be excited about Ty Lue when he was on the staff the season that the team folded again? I'm going to tell you why. He had a front row seat, got to see what didn't work, learned the players, and understands what not to do. Because the greatest help in life in terms of learning is when you learn what doesn't work. Because the next time you can get it right. And I trust him right now. And I'm saying this and, you know, it could go south. I'm not saying the Clippers are going to go 82 and 0 and win a title his first year. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I have a greater faith in his ability to win a championship with the Clippers than I did with Doc Rivers even 12 months ago. And that's where I stand on it. And that's nut cutting time. Do you have a quote for the people? We're going to do, we're going to do a movie quote every episode to close it out. I need you to give me one. Mm, For some reason, the one that stuck in my head is just from swingers where they just say Vegas, baby Vegas. You know, we could tie that in as a Ty Lue reference last season. Last year, he was in Vegas celebrating his birthday, and they had the Lakers cake, and then they didn't hire him. I know that, but Vegas, baby. Vegas. What's on your agenda for the next few days? Working. Oh, I'm going to go see Borat 2 in a drive-in movie theater tomorrow. Look at you. You're just living life to the fullest, aren't you? I guess so. It starts at screenings at they change the screening time to ten thirty, and like that's pretty late. <laughs> How long was like, the movie? I don't know. I've tried to avoid all spoilers. What really? I I try not to look at anything. Like I haven't seen a trailer to the movie yet. So you don't know how long the runtime. See, I'd like to go into a movie knowing how long the runtime is. I don't like knowing how long the runtime is because then I'll go into it and be like, okay, I've been here for an hour and 20 minutes and 20 minutes. The movie should end. So the plot should pick up. And then like, I don't want to think any of that. Do you want me to tell you how long it is? No, it's four hours. I just muted. I just muted the video. (laughs) (laughs) Still muted. Uh, you're killing me, Smalls. Okay, it's back on. You're killing me, Smalls. Um, look, we'll be back for the next episode whenever, whenever Farbud's done with that movie, which will run nine hours. Um, we should oh, be talking a little I'll bit. Of- dress up as him right after and continue the third movie. You're the you're the, just the worst. My Borat costumes. I can I say I'm so sad that we don't have basketball on Halloween when it's become like and Borat 2 is coming out and it's become like almost a yearly tradition for me to dress up as Borat at Staples Center on Halloween and just screw with everybody. And like the one time the sequel comes out like 15 years later, whatever it is, like we don't got no basketball like that would have been the perfect time for me to bring out that costume and just start messing with everybody. 
<sighs> I'm actually glad that's not happening now. Did you ever see the clip of me interviewing Doc Rivers as boy? Yes, I did. That was the best. <laughs> it's a loose interpretation of the definition of best, but you know. And and Zubots. I'm gonna just let it go. You know what's a funny story is I came to the end of the seat towards the end of season three years ago, the mustache, and Boban saw me and he's like he's like, You woke up and this is a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> he's like you think this is good that should have been your clue <laughs> that should have been your clue I think, I think cj williams cj williams is like you look like a pedophile man <laughs> like, okay and i remember i remember last season when i had a mustache because the borat costume pat bev looked at me and he's like yo that's hard he's like i he's like i didn't mess with you before but when i see it now He's like that's he's like that's real hard. Like you go into other cities like that, they they'll kill you. But I like it. <laughs> it's like so that's oh how we become friends. Oh my god! All right, you got anything for the good people? Eleven seconds. You got it. What are we doing? All right, this has been a. This might be our most con- contentious episode. I thought the Paul George episode was going to get like this, and it never did. 11 seconds. Okay. All right, everybody stay safe. Um, Keep washing your hands, social distance, wear a mask. We'll see you all next time. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.